stand here as a man offering hope, not for myself, but from God's Word. Hopefully you've got your Bibles open and turned to Galatians 5.22. If not, do turn there now, and as you're turning, I'll refresh your memory a little bit about the book of Galatians. Uh, Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul maybe 30 years after Jesus had returned to heaven. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter because he was really concerned that the Galatians not substitute rule following for Jesus. That was Paul's main point in writing this letter. He, he didn't want the Galatians substituting their freedom in Christ for irresponsibility or legalism. And it looks like most of y'all have gotten your Bible, so I'll, I'll stop the little summary and we'll get into the actual text in just a second. But the funny thing about substituting following rules uh, for a relationship with Jesus is that once you decide that if you're following all the rules, you're okay, then you, you find yourself willing and tempted, to, tempted and willing to do things that are actually wrong but they're not part of the rules. And so that's how you can get licentious people who are actually rule followers. It's a, it's, a weird, uh, it's a weird facet of fallen human nature. Well, you're probably in Galatians 5.22 now. I'm going to read it for us. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I went to 23 there. Uh, George Morgan was a pastor who was friends with a more famous pastor named Charles Spurgeon. Um, and when George Morgan retired from preaching, a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones took over at his church. And, and Lloyd-Jones went on to become quite famous as well. Uh, Morgan, over his life, had written dozens of books and preached countless sermons, and in one of those sermons, he says about this very passage that love is the name of the song, and all these other fruits, things of the Spirit, um, show how that love works. Uh, it, it's like they're the instruments in that song. So you're hearing one song, but you're hearing all these different parts of the song. That's that's right on. It's, it's, it was his way of saying what I'll say in a, in a lot uh, dumber way. Um, this passage does not teach that there are nine fruits of the Spirit. It teaches that there's just fruit of the Spirit. Uh, to tell you my dumb illustration, imagine you're being told you're going to get a uh, side of a fruit salad, and when you get the fruit salad, you look into the bowl and there's just banana slices. You know, but my fruit salad, this is not fruit salad. Because a fruit salad is made up of many different kinds of fruit. And that's the way the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. Although tonight I'm just talking about joy, they are all together. You, you can't cut them up. Uh, it doesn't work like that. Um, the one interesting thing about joy, as, as we get into uh, my first point, is that when you look down the line of the fruit of the Spirit, you see that most of these things, these words are ways that we, categor that we treat other people. Um, but joy is something that we ourselves benefit from first. And any benefit that another person gets from joy is like second or auxiliary. Um, my first point is to avoid 
artificial joy. Let me tell you why. Because ours is a hopeless world. Ours is a world where babies are born sick and diseased, where tragic accidents cut down healthy people in the prime of their life, where our mothers, fathers, aunts, and finally everyone we love is taken from us by death, where evil people prosper, where good people are left behind, where hope is in short supply, where the emotions of sadness and despair and heartache reign. So no wonder then that people want to find a way out. No wonder then that people want to find a way to live in a world like that. And the general way that people have identified of living in that kind of world, this world in which we find ourselves, is joy. But there's a lot of different ideas of joy floating around. One of the most popular ideas right now can be seen if you watch Netflix. They've got a series with uh, Marie Kondo. Uh, Marie is, for the five of you in this room who don't know, you, 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 um, no, uh, uh, y'all are Sunday night believers. Half y'all have never heard of this lady. I mean, I, you know, okay, that didn't hit. So Marie uh, is a professional tidier. That is her job. I didn't know it existed until she came on the scene, but she gets paid a ton of money to go to people's houses and tidy for them. Not clean, tidy. So what she does is she teaches them to throw out anything that doesn't spark joy in her words. And here's the way she does it. You can look this up on YouTube. She'll, she'll get uh, a sweater or something, and she'll kind of hold it, give her a little sniff or something, and see, does it spark joy? She says, and it's in Japanese, so I'm just reading the subtitles, but she supposedly says that if it makes you feel like this, then it sparks joy. And if it makes you feel like this, it didn't spark joy, you should get rid of it. Well, if I could speak Japanese, I would probably, and happen to know Marie, I would probably tell her, Marie, that you've confused happiness for joy. And you've, you've kind of confused happiness in things with joy. Now, most of y'all are Christians. Y'all know that money can't buy happiness, supposedly. But I think that many of us do think money can't buy happiness. Or that's what we say. But then if you were to get us when we're being super duper honest, we're like, Money can't buy happiness, but I sure would like to give it a try and find out for myself. <laughs> if at the end of my life it didn't buy happiness, I'll let you know. You know, lesson learned. We're tempted to think that happiness is joy. But, you know, the thing is, I actually think that money does buy happiness. And I'm not just trying to be controversial and, and, just, and contradict myself in a second. I actually kind of think money does buy happiness. And that's why we kind of like going and buying stuff. At least many of us do. My daughter got it from me. She's so happy buying stuff. When you buy stuff, you do become happy. At least many of us do. Shopping therapy works, you know. The thing is that when you're, uh, once you've bought the stuff, 
Happiness is an emotion and it fades. All emotions do. Happiness fades. So the idea of of money, of course, just to lay out the obvious, is we're thinking like, what if I just had enough money to constantly be buying new things all the way up until I died? And Jesus tells a story about that called the rich man and Lazarus. I'm not going to get into it, but it doesn't end well for the rich man. In fact, I can't think of anything more sad than having a ton of wealth and living a life of perfect happiness only to die and enter a Christless eternity. Most of us aren't going to have that problem, though. Most of us aren't going to be so wealthy that, you know, we're able to fool ourselves into thinking that happiness and joy are the same thing. Being wonderful believers who will show up to hear a guy you've never heard preach before in the rain, I really doubt that any of y'all are addicted. But on the off chance that there is somebody tonight here who's struggled with addiction or has been addicted to something in the past, you know in your heart that the things which promise you joy once fulfilled long enough do one of two things. They either disappoint you or they leave you addicted. Disappointment and addiction, neither of those are where we're we're thinking, oh, that's where I want to be in five years. Disappointed or addicted. Here's a song about addiction. I'm not going to sing it, but I thought it had funny lyrics. I smoked my check, smoked my car. When I smoked my house, have I gone too far? When will this end? I smoked away my frustrations. I took them out on my wife. I even tried to smoke her too, but she wouldn't fit in the pipe. Again, this is Sunday Night Believers. Nobody's, you know, it's doubtful that y'all are addicted to, to crack. It's less doubtful that you're not a little bit addicted to the consumerism which categorizes our culture as the way to happiness. And again, if you believe like I do that money actually does buy happiness, that's a temptation you need to shun, Christian. But maybe you don't believe that money, that things will buy you happiness. Well, that's okay. There's still many other options to tempt you away from true joy. Things like a lifestyle or lifestyle changes. Just think of all the people who promise you contentment through changing your lifestyle. That's a very big thing. Oh, um, um, self-improvement. Self-improvement book sections are huge in stores. You can watch self-improvement documentaries. You can listen to self-improvement podcasts. You can think that improving yourself will lead you to joy, and it doesn't. You can think that uh, moving to the beach will bring you joy. It doesn't. I want to, but it doesn't. Um, I've got another song. Unfortunately, my mother, who's here, God bless her, she has a song for everything. Like, you can say something, she's got a song for that. I've got a song for self-improvement and and the idea that changing your location can change your joy. Bear with me while I read you just a few more lyrics. It says, Now I'm staying on the road I'm on. I'm going to drive till I see dawn or till I see the water. Now I want to be another man, maybe with a better tan. I can change the one I am. This is a Christian song, so by the end, the uh, singers had some realizations. 
and says, now I see that I can't outrun myself and everybody else. Wherever I go, I'm right there with me. I think that's a pretty good indictment of self-improvement. If there's stuff you really dislike about yourself and you change that stuff, it's possible you haven't totally changed that stuff and you're going to be with you the rest of your life. But this is a surprising Christian song, so it doesn't all end all super happy. He ends up, it ends up ending like this. Standing right here where we are, never could have gone too far. Maybe we just need a faster car. And man, isn't that uh, middle age? I don't know. No, I know, I'm getting middle-aged. Um, and you know, when, when you're 16, you're like, ah, oh, if only I could get a car. Then you get grandma's kind of broken down car and maybe tear it up a little bit. And Then you want to better, okay, I'm moving on to my next, my next thing uh, of joy that is artificial. Artificial joy that you should avoid. Because the, the honest truth is, most of y'all know that happiness and joy aren't the same thing. This is fairly common knowledge if you grew up in church. But another thing that joy isn't, and that it's something that we Christians can be tempted to, is the idea that joy means just laughing at our problems. And I saw the most, it depends on your personality, creepy, funny, or sad video I've seen in years this week on YouTube. It's, 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 it's this thing called laughter yoga. And I guess I have a lot of spare time these days. Because I was watching it. And uh, in the video, it's a lady sitting in front of a room. And the, the name of the video is laughter yoga for senior adults and people with chronic illnesses. And I thought to myself, I'll probably be both of those things one of these days if I'm lucky. And so, uh, so here's the way it worked. She sat there and said, okay, I'm going to say my name and then you're all going to laugh. Then I'm going to say my diagnosis and we're all going to laugh. And then if you want to, you can say your name and we'll all laugh. And then you can say your diagnosis and we'll all laugh. It was so it was at turns for me horrifying, creepy, and funny to see people with fatal diseases, terrible things, saying their name, and then having people laugh, and then saying, you know, I've got brain cancer. <laughs> it was so weird. And then at the very end of, um, after each person had said their name and their disease, the whole room would say, very good, very good, yay. Weird. Like, <clears throat> as a note, if you're not a Christian, and this is your first night at this church or something, we don't do that. That ain't cool. That's weird. It's brainwashy. And that's not what joy is. Joy is not laughing at your problems. A Christian ought to be able to look evil in the eye, to look the world in the eye, and still experience joy. But if joy is not happiness, and joy is not laughing at our problems or pretending that our problems don't exist, what is it? To do that, and continuing on with my food theme of avoiding artificial joy, I want to, to, to say, read the label for joy. That's my second point, and there it is. Perfect. See, joy is 
deeper than an emotion. It's not happiness. Joy is deeper than an emotion, and it can lead to an emotion, but it's not in an emotion. Joy is very related to hope, but it's not just any hope. Joy comes from knowing what God has done, can do, and will do. Let's read the label for joy in Galatians 5.22 where it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the rest. The most important thing about joy is who gives joy. The Holy Spirit gives joy. The joy doesn't come from inside you. God is the source of joy. With joy, you can be like the Apostle Paul sitting in jail for a crime you didn't commit, singing. That is joy. You can be in that jail when an earthquake happens and sets all the doors free and you could walk out. That's joy, but then you don't. That's joy too. The Apostle Paul had so much joy that he could be singing in jail for a crime he didn't commit. The doors came open and I would have been like, and that's me running, believe it or not. (laughs) Gabe helps. Gabe really helps on these runs. And Paul didn't leave. Paul stayed in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And that is the heart of joy. You see, Joy is the confident, deep down assurance that God is in control and that he loves you. Joy remembers the past and knows what God has done. Joy is cognizant of what God can do right now. Even when you don't know what God's doing right now, you believe that God's doing something in your life right now. And joy is hope, which isn't one of the fruits of the Spirit. Joy is hope for the future and what God will do for you then. Remember, joy is not an emotion. We're not happy all the time. We're not supposed to be happy all the time. We can't be happy all the time. We shouldn't fake being happy all the time at church or anywhere else. Jesus was not happy all the time. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. In other words, when you see a a physical believer, I'm sorry, when you see a believer in physical pain, that's not the right time to be clapping, saying, very good, very good, yay, no. Life hurts, life isn't fair, it stinks, it's unjust. It can be pretty hopeless. And yet joy isn't an emotional response. Joy isn't a response to the conditions of your life. Joy is a response to God, knowing what God has done. The president of Trinity University, David Dockery, writes this. A life of spirit-prompted love does not go on automatically. It's necessary to remain consciously in step with the Holy Spirit, and it is easy to do otherwise. Oh, I want to pause real quick, and then I'll keep reading. The churchy thing to say about joy is that it's not easy not to have joy, but it's actually very easy 
to lose touch with joy. It's very easy to lose touch with all these other fruits of the Spirit. I appreciate this president having said that. I'm going to keep reading this quote now. Even though the flesh was, in a very real sense, crucified with Christ, the tendency to pride and even to gross sin still exists. That's why I want to tell the believers who are deeply hurting, believers tonight who've lost their joy, that you can get your joy back. And if you do have joy and you want more joy, you can get more joy. Let me tell you my most important point, which is point number three, the last point, through a story. One of the all-time best dinner experiences of my life, and I've had a few, <clears throat> happened in Texas at a churrascaria. I'm probably not saying that right. I looked it up on YouTube, tried to say it the way they say it. It's, uh, it's Portuguese. I don't know what it means, so get on that. You can look it up yourself. It was a restaurant called Fogo de Chao, and at this restaurant... You sit, you've got nice clothes on, everybody else does too, and the most amazing thing in the entire world happens. They give you a little, uh, it looks kind of like a coffee coaster or something. You turn that sucker over, and it's got green on the other side. Dudes just start showing up. All these guys just start appearing, and they've got giant, giant things of steak right there, and they just start shaving it off amazing and you can get however much you want and so at first I was like yes why yes why yes and I just got like all different kinds then I realized like wait I can get the kinds I like the most but I didn't even know there was this many different kinds of steak so I tried them all and then once I was like I like filet mignon with the bacon around it that's good I just stand there and the guy just be like doop 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 and like he was a pro. They don't stop. Because I was expecting him to be like, hey, Pudgy, slow down. You're like, there's other people. And he didn't. He just, yeah, like, they wait till you flip your little thing red. That's the way God is with joy. That's the way God wishes to be with all the fruits of the Spirit. It is not a diet like I need to be on. It's not a diet like most diets where you're like, better watch out from eating that steak. Stay away from the real good stuff. This is like a fruit diet where you can just eat however much you want. There's not many diets in the world that aren't like, eh, stay away from fruit. It's pretty healthy. Most diets are like, yeah, you can kind of go to town on fruit. This diet is the same way as much of the fruit of the Spirit as you want that's how much you should get. It's like steak though. God wants the very best for you. He wants you to experience joy. He is not sitting in heaven being like, Dad, burn it. I thought they seemed happy and I thought that would kind of blow them down. I better not give them more joy. No, God wants you to have unlimited joy. So I ask you a question. What do you need to do to make yourself more joyful? It's a trick question. There's nothing you need to do. You are not working for joy. God is not a servant in this sense, although he did come to service. 
God is, God is not like the server at that churiscaria, but you are like the person sitting there with God just being like, here you go, son. Here you go, gal. Eat as much as you want. That's the way God wishes for your life to be. You don't do anything. You're not working here. Instead, you just receive it. God offers it. You take it. In all seriousness, though, let me ask a not, a, a, a not trick question. But we're a Baptist church, so the good news is I'm not expecting any answers. If you do feel like saying the answer, these are not trick questions. <clears throat> Sorry, I got winded. What do you do to get more joy? Let me ask you these questions. Did Jesus live a perfect sinless life? Yes. I'm just going to answer these myself. Thank you for y'all. Yeah. Did Jesus live a perfect sinless life? Yes. Did Jesus die on the cross for our sin? Yes. Did Jesus raise to life three days later for our justification? Yes. Did Jesus ascend to heaven? Yes. Did Jesus promise to send us the Holy Spirit? Yes. Did the Holy Spirit offer us joy? Yes. All God's promises are yes. The Holy Spirit offers you joy. Your only job is just receive it. The Holy Spirit is here. He offers you joy. You take it. You remember it. Don't be like me, who when my wife goes on a trip, I don't know how to cook well, and I starve. Not really. But don't be like me. Remember where the food is in the house. And in this case, God himself is offering you the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Take as much as you want. You can ask God for more joy, by the way. You can ask God for more joy, say in prayer. But I want you to realize that it's not about Him not giving it to you. It's about Him having already offered it to you and you not taking it. You just need to take it. I've been praying that prayer over these past weeks, though. Like, Lord, I'm awfully grumbly. I'm a very grumbly person. If there was a grumbling Olympics, I could represent us. And uh, the Lord has been probably answering my prayer because I've been asking like, Lord, help me to be more joyful. And he, and he has been showing me, no, it's not about you doing stuff. And so I, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's just a, a conscience that's clean. I don't know. But I have been feeling little nudges and little prompts when I'm sitting there getting ready to grumble, when I'm sitting there being irritated, I feel a little nudge. Oh, you could be joyful. Paul was in prison and he was joyful. You could be joyful. You're just, you're just dealing with something that's common to everybody. Sometimes I haven't, but I'm making a little bit of progress. Along with the free gift of eternal life, God offers you life to the full, starting now, starting when you became a believer. God offers you life to the full, not just in heaven, here on earth with joy. Most of you here tonight are probably Christians, and I want to give you, as in closing for us, I want to give you 30 seconds before life picks up again and we all get busy, 
I want to I give you 30 seconds to pray in your seat or sit in your seat and just ask the Lord for joy and, and tell the Lord that you're ready to embrace joy, live in joy, feast on that joy. If you're not a believer, you may wish to talk to me or one of the other Christians here once we go, but um, I am going to now bow my head and pray, give you about 30 seconds or so in order for you to just reaffirm to the Lord that you want your life to be characterized by joy. And then after that time, I'll close us in prayer and then you're dismissed. So bow with me in prayer and I'll close us in prayer in, in a half minute or so. Heavenly Father, I don't have my clock out. I'm not good at telling how much time is gone, but um, I thank you that you have taught me personally so much about joy over these past few weeks. I pray for your little lambs here, Lord, that you will help them to live triumphant, joyful lives, that you will renew joy inside them, that they will see actual evidence of your Holy Spirit at work in their life. Thank you for these dear saints. I pray that you will bless them this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.